0: Welcome to the Schwartz on Sports Podcast, hosted by Noah Schwartz. Hey everyone, welcome back to Schwartz on Sports, episode number 11 here on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I first want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Holidays to all of you guys and your families. The support that you guys give me for listening to the show each week is so appreciated. I want to thank the Belly Up Podcast Network and the website for being so supportive of me and all that I'm trying to do here with the show. And thank you to my new intern, Owen, for all that he has done in his first couple of weeks here working alongside me. So thanks to all of them, thanks to all of you. Enjoy the holidays, it's a great time of the year, and just let's uh, finish up 2020 with a bang. More Schwartz on Sports is next. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is an ultra premium veteran-owned coffee company proudly delivering only the best coffee your hard-earned money can buy. They aim to serve only the highest quality organic air-roasted coffee beans sourced from free trade farms all over the world. They keep things simple, the best coffee at an affordable price, in order to provide you with the value you deserve for your morning boost. 100% fair trade, 100% organic coffee beans, 100% air-roasted, 100% money-back guarantee. Visit invadercoffee.com and enter promo code bellyup at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're going to start the show today with NFL week 16 and describe five. Pick five NFL games, describe them, pick a winner. And then after that, we're going to do a segment with a good friend of mine, Jeremy Goldstein. He is a college friend of mine at Ithaca College, and he also does sports media uh, as his major. We will talk to him, we'll talk about the NFL, a little bit about the NBA, uh, some baseball and college football as well, so we'll get to that afterwards, but let's begin with this week's Describe 5, only two more weeks in the NFL season, which is crazy, and this week is unlike really any other, uh, because it is over four days this week in the NFL. There's a game on Friday, which is today on Christmas, three games on Saturday, the regular slate on Sunday, plus a Monday night game, so we've really never seen anything quite like this before but this is what 2020 is giving us. So let's begin with the first game, and this is Dolphins Raiders. This is a Saturday game uh, in Vegas, and I look at the Dolphins, and I see a team playing with supreme confidence. Brian Flores has them ready to play every week, no matter who it is. They turn you over. They've forced a turnover in every single game this season. That is a terrific defense. Tua Tagovailoa has not made many mistakes since taking over the starting job, hardly turns the ball over himself, and they have a good running game to rely on, as well as a couple of good weapons in the passing attack. Uh, I also think that the Raiders have been just flat, falling flat on their face week after week for the last month or so. It seems like ever since that Kansas City loss on Sunday night, where Travis Kelsey finished them off with a last-minute touchdown, ever since then, this team just can't seem to get uh, together and figure it out. They lost uh, last Thursday night to the Chargers on a last-second touchdown by Justin Herbert in overtime, and it has just been a really rough stretch of football for the Las Vegas Raiders. They got blown out by the Atlanta Falcons. They lost that crazy game, or they won that crazy game against the New York Jets, and ever since then, it just hasn't really looked the way it should. Uh, the Dolphins have a chance to get in the playoffs. They're right in the mix right now, and if they can, they can control their own destiny by continuing to win. I think they do that because of the lack of mistakes and because the Raiders have just looked so not together for the last month or so. They have not been sharp, and the Dolphins are playing their best football at the right time. I'm going to take Miami. All right, Giants-Ravens. This is a big one also on Sunday. Uh, Definitely a meaningful playoff game. The Giants have lost two straight. That has really hurt their chances of winning the NFC East. I'll get more into that division later, but they have two straight losses, and it has not looked good for them right now in that division. They basically have to keep winning. They have to really win each of their last two games, basically, and they don't control their own path. They just have to win and hope uh, Washington loses. And I really don't think this is going to happen. They're playing Baltimore. The Ravens are probably playing their best football right now at the end of the season. They need to keep winning also because they're motivated to get into the playoffs, and and they want to get a shot at a wild card also. So they need to keep, uh, keep it up with their winning. They've won two straight. They just blew out Jacksonville, and they won the previous week in that crazy Monday night game over Cleveland. Uh, Lamar Jackson's playing at a really high level right now, and I just hope that they get a shot to play in the playoffs because this is a team that, for many people, we thought they were the best team going into the season. I thought they were the second best team in the league behind Kansas City, and they have just not really looked up, looked up, looked up to par this year, but they're playing good right at the end in December. They can run the football at an elite level. They're the number one rush team, and... Uh, they just got to keep winning, and the Giants got to keep winning. So it's really a battle of will here on Sunday. I think the Ravens will win. They're more talented, and the Giants' season basically ends on Sunday. All right, on to Carolina at Washington. Now, this is a really interesting game. If the Giants beat the Ravens, and I don't think they will, then this game is less important because Washington, if they win, does not clinch the division just yet. But if the Giants lose and the Washington and the Washington wins, they have the NFC East. So they are going to be the four seed and go into the playoffs. Now, Alex Smith, the starting quarterback for the Washington football team, may not play. He's been in and out of practice all week, and that may mean that Dwayne Haskins gets a second consecutive start. Now, what's really, really notable about Dwayne Haskins is not only has he not played very well in his NFL career in his first two seasons, but he has also just lost his, uh, his honor of being a captain on this team because he was caught uh, in a video and some photos at a place he should not have been wearing no mask, and he was violating the NFL's COVID protocols. So definitely got a fine there, and it was not a good look for him uh, with, with that football team. I don't think they trust him very much right now, and they're probably going to be moving on from him uh, sooner rather than later. But he does have a chance to make an impact if he gets a start on Sunday and helps this team go to the playoffs. Now, it would also be a very cool win for Washington if their coach, Ron Rivera, can beat his former team in the Carolina Panthers. He was there for a long time, won the NFL Coach of the Year Award two different times, and took them to the Super Bowl back five years ago. And uh, I think he's actually going to get this win. The Washington defense is elite in the front. And I really don't trust the Carolina offense very much with Christian McCaffrey still out. It's his 11th missed game of the season. He has basically been a non-factor all year. And they've relied heavily on Mike Davis. They've relied heavily on Teddy Bridgewater to make plays with his feet. And this Washington defense is playing at a high level. I think they'll beat Carolina on Sunday. Carolina's 4-10. It's been a pretty miserable season for that team. Washington has a chance, in the worst division of all time, to clinch a spot, and I think they do it. All right, fourth game, Rams at Seattle. This is a four twenty five Sunday game. Now, if I look at the Rams right now, I see a team that is just got embarrassed by the New York Jets. Now, it was terrible for me as a Jet fan to see my team actually beat this team and lose, lose out on, a, on the number one pick last week. But if you're a Rams fan, it is just a horrible look to lose, You're a playoff team, you're going to be in the postseason, but to lose to a winless 0-13 football team at home is just disgusting. I'm not really sure how you get over that. I'm not really sure how you recover from that, especially when you're playing a team like Seattle that just wants to clinch the division and beat up on you for three and a half hours at home. Uh, Seattle has a chance to clinch if they win, and they will get uh, the the top seed in that division. There'll probably be three playoff teams that come out of the NFC West, but they will be the top one. And I think it would actually be a pretty extraordinary division title if they get it. Uh, this team lost a lot of running backs. They've had injuries at that position all season. It's been Russell Wilson or bust for the majority of this year. They had to acquire Carlos Dunlap to improve their pass rush. Jamal Adams was in and out of the lineup all year. It has been a lot of moving parts with the Seattle team. But they have a shot to be 11-4 and four and clinch the NFC West uh, for the first time in a couple of years, which would be a really terrific achievement. And I'm betting on Russell Wilson that he does it. Jared Goff's been playing pretty terribly for the last maybe month or so. And Russ has been right in the thick of the MVP race all year. I think he gets it done on Sunday, and they win and go to the playoffs. Last game, Titans-Packers. Now, this is a game where Tennessee can tr- make a true statement. They've been, uh, they've been in a back-and-forth battle all season with Indianapolis and the NFC South. I think the Titans will end up winning the division, but it's really close. Both teams have just continued to win. They're both 10-4. And they can make a statement on Sunday if they can beat the Packers at Lambeau Field uh, in the middle of December. And the reason they can do it is because they have Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is the most physical back in the NFL. He is the best running back in the NFL. And he can run right through a pretty average run defense on Sunday night uh, at Lambeau Field. This is an NBC game. And he'll be on national television ready to make a statement. Ready to show why he is right in the thick of the MVP race as well. And as we've seen in past seasons, Derrick Henry is at his best, his personal best, when it's cold, when it's windy, when it's in the middle of December against teams that are a little bit weak in the rush defense category, I think he's going to have a huge game on Sunday. He can run right through the center of that defense. He can, take, he can take punishment from defenders. He can give out punishment just the same. And he is just so phenomenal. I think he'll probably run for at least 150 yards on Sunday. I know that sounds crazy because most running backs don't get there on a weekly basis, but it seems like on any given Sunday, this guy can get 150, 200, and 250 yards. He's that great, uh, and they'll just continue to feed him the football because he gets better only as the game goes on. And I'm not really sure how Aaron Rodgers can overcome that. That's a pretty uh, weak front seven. They're not a, not necessarily a bad rush team in terms of the stats, but they've lost some games against more physical football teams this year. They lost against Ronald Jones and the Buccaneers uh, a couple months ago. They lost to the Colts, what was that, like a month ago or so, when they have a good uh, good running team. So I'm not sure if Rodgers can overcome it when they just can't stop the running back. And um, I just think that even though he's, he's maybe the MVP favorite, I would have him second right behind Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a tough way to win on Sunday when they're probably going to lose the time of possession battle. They're probably going to have to come out there and score quick touchdowns in order to keep up with Tennessee. And I just don't think they'll do it. I know they're at home, but there's no fans, and I'm just not sure they can get it done. I'm picking Tennessee. I think they're the second best team in the, in the uh, AFC right now, right behind the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're a team that can actually give them a big challenge in a potential playoff matchup, and I think this is their biggest game of the season on Sunday. I think they'll win it, and it'll go to the Titans. All right, we'll be right back on the show. We'll take a quick commercial break, and then we will have Jeremy Goldstein on the show with us. Uh, that'll be fun. It'll definitely be good to talk to him about the various sports leagues, and we'll do that in a second as soon as we're back. This episode of Schwartz on Sports is brought to you by Hoff and Pepper Hot Sauce. Handcrafted with farm-fresh jalapenos and habaneros, Hoff's original hot sauce has gone on to win numerous awards and gain international recognition. Hoff and Pepper always strives to create sauces and seasonings that enhance flavors with balanced heat profiles. Every one of their handmade products is manufactured in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and is naturally vegan and gluten-free. Shop today at HoffandPepper.com, and when you enter promo code BELLYUP at checkout... You'll save 10% off your purchase. Hey everyone, welcome back to Schwartz on Sports presented by the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am here today with my second ever guest on the show. It is my very good friend, Jeremy Goldstein. He is also a sophomore at Ithaca College, sports media major. He does TV, he does radio, he does some writing. He does it all in the sports media landscape. So what's up, Goldstein?
1: Noah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. A little disappointed to be the second guest and not the first, but I'll take what I can get. And Merry Christmas to everybody watching.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Or
1: listening, excuse me, yeah.
0: So let's start with a move that just happened a few minutes ago. We're, we're recording this Christmas morning. Uh, and we just found out that your Giants have signed Logan Ryan. Mm-hmm. Three years, $31 million with 20 guaranteed on that contract. He signed a one-year deal uh, earlier and he came to the Giants and he has proved to be as good as ever. And now he's going to be a Giant long term in his hometown team. What'd you make of it?
1: It's very important that they did extend him because obviously I know when you're on defense, the linebacker, Blake Martinez, he's usually called, he's usually like the, uh, the captain of the defense. But when, if, if he had to leave the field for whatever reason, Logan Ryan would take over those duties as a safety, which is rare. He was a really good vocal leader. Um, he was in the running for a Walter Payton, my end of the year nominee with Dalvin Tomlinson. So he was up, he's up there as somebody who's good off the field. And he was just some, a veteran voice on that defense that really helped the young guys out. Guys like Darnay Holmes, who are just coming in for the first time, and the rookie linebackers and take Crowder and Carter Coughlin. And alongside that, there's so many people on this defense that have made it good this season that need new contracts, including Leonard Williams, Jabril Peppers, and Dalvin Tomlinson. So the fact that they got Logan Ryan out of the way this offseason is a, is a good start.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really important to mention that as a guy who was a New England Patriot for so many years and then was in Tennessee last year, he has loads of playoff experience. And as we know, the Giants are a very young team. I mean, this team really doesn't have many veterans on it that have been in those big moments before. So mm-hmm. he at least gives you that too. If they can win this division, and again, it's, it's up in the air, it, it's, it's probably unlikely. Probably, probably not, yeah, but... Right, but even if they get to next season, this is still going to be a young roster. They have a shot to win this division. It's obviously a weak NFC East. And he would be the guy who might be helping out a lot in uh, terms of just giving those guys supply of experience, learning those valuable lessons. And obviously, Joe Judge was right alongside him for those years in New England. So I think as a combo, they can sort of help out in that, in that category also.
1: Yeah. And unlike previous losing seasons, this Giants team actually seems like they're they're going somewhere and they have a direction. And if you have a guy like Logan Ryan on your defense or on your team in general, that's never a bad thing. And he's only going to help out young guys who continue to come in even more. And I, I get, I think he's a good vital part to have over
0: the next three seasons
1: where I do think they'll have a playoff appearance.
0: Yeah. And, and, I'm assuming you want to keep him at safety, right? Because I know he's been at corner before yeah. and now he's at safety. I would say he should be long-term it's safety. It's a
1: tough call because you have Jabril Peppers, who was almost a pro board of the season, and then Xavier McKinney, who you drafted out of Alabama, who you want to be a long-term part of the solution at safety. So unless those two guys break out, then yeah, you can put him at safety. Unless you can, Logan Ryan played slot corner, I think, last week because I think good Bradbury and Holmes were out. So He was really good at safety, yeah, but you also have two other guys who are younger than Ryan who you want to make part of the long-term deal. Right. So it's a tough call, but anywhere he plays, I think he'll be effective, so I'm happy about it.
0: Okay. So on to the other New York team, and this has been something that I have been very angry about this week, and you have have. been one of the few people that I've actually talked to who has the opposite opinion on what I feel. Now, you're a Giants fan, so it's a bit of a different opinion, different conversation, but what did you make of the Jets winning the other day? Because I can't stand it. I didn't want them to win. I wanted them to keep the number one pick and I lose un- as much as possible. You don't feel that way, I know.
1: I and understand I-, I understand the fans who think that. And I was talking to our good friend Connor Wood, who's a Jets fan, sophomore at Ithaca. He was very happy the Jets won. And I, th- and I understand both opinions. You want Trevor Lawrence, who could potentially be a franchise quarterback, and you also want to win a game. This is what you have to take into perspective. The The coaches have to coach... to to show that they deserve an opportunity. The players have to play for their next contract. The players aren't going to go out there and try to lose the game. So I know you understand you want them to lose, but how do you expect them to try to lose? Like that's the question I have for you.
0: Well, I guess it's, I I don't, I didn't necessarily ask the players to try and lose. It's not that, but organizationally and structurally, this, this franchise is a mess and top to bottom coaching staff, ownership, players, it's a mess. You have to realize that and understand that there is more to your future than just winning some meaningless week 15 game against the LA Rams. And you've got to make switches in your lineups. I've been saying, play the young guys, play the young guys, play the young guys. I've been shouting it out for weeks. I honestly thought that Sam Darnold shouldn't have played on Sunday. I know that sounds crazy, but I've been on the James Morgan. No, James Morgan, fourth round pick. He should have started from at least a couple weeks ago. He should have been in the lineup. He's never been active for a game, much less in the starting lineup. I want to see him out there. You spent a high pick on him. Other quarterbacks picked behind in the fourth, uh, in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds have started this year. Why hasn't he? I also think that Frank Gore, I mean, he got the winning catch the other day. The f- fell across was- the first down line. Why is he playing a yeah, lot of snaps? That's it, that's Ty Johnson, why it? is Johnson he out there? Ty Johnson looks
1: good, too. He looks He looks good.
0: Right, exactly. So the Jets do have some veterans on this team, and I'm not saying they're terrible players. I like Sam Donald. I like Frank Gore. But not when you're 0-13. You should be playing young guys. And Adam Gase somehow woke up the other day as if he was the next Sean McVay or, you know, the next Matt Nagy or one of these great young coaches in the league, rather than the brutal Adam Gase that he obviously is. And for some reason, he had a great game on Sunday. I don't know why that is, but you've got to understand that there is more to your future than just some random win. Well,
1: if you're Adam Gase, right, and I understand your perspective completely, you want to lose this game because the difference between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields is immense. And now you're talking about keeping Sam Darnold next year because it might not be worth drafting Fields when you have a good quarterback in Darnold. Right. Adam Gase is also coaching for a chance to be a coordinator or a coach somewhere else. Because if he's going to get fired at the end of the year and his reputation is at rock bottom. So if he wins this game, maybe he gets some looks. I don't know. The the thing that makes that persistent in my mind is a lot of these players and coaches are playing and coaching for opportunities somewhere else. And I think that's why really they can't just throw the game. Even though I think they did against Las Vegas. I think they did. I think Greg Williams did that.
0: I'm sort of with you. I think that there's a shot of, of him trying to do that. I don't know. Jacksonville could still lose,
1: by the way. Jacksonville could still could still win a game and, and the Jets could be fine again. You know, you never know.
0: Well, yeah. It would have to be Mitch Trubisky would have to be the Jets' hero on Sunday. We'll see what happens. Again, I don't know. Um, I don't know if they played. <laughs> I also think that it's important to realize that the Jets have not had a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath. I mean, a true franchise quarterback. They've had good quarterbacks at times. Mark Sanchez had a good early start to his career. Sam Darnold's been talented. Chad Pennington won a little bit. But they have never had a true franchise superstar quarterback in 50 years. And this was arguably the best chance for the Jets to get that guy since they had Joe Namath. I mean, seriously, they have not had anyone else. So to lose out on this kid and to possibly have a chance to pick Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whatever quarterback you like after Trevor – there's, there's a massive talent the gap there yeah, yeah exactly and there's not every not every single year there is a superstar home run number one pick I mean last year Joe Burrow people like Joe Burrow I like two or more but I don't think anybody this year is telling you they like any quarterback more than Trevor Lawrence and that's why it's just such a painful feeling today to be a Jets fan
1: do you do you know what the Jets quarterback situation reminds me of the Knicks no, point I mean, guard the next point guard situation
0: Oh but yeah, it, absolutely. For sure. Cause there's, there's nobody there that you really trust. Yeah, and,
1: like. and, and it's so important it just as it's important in football to have a quarterback in basketball, you need a point guard to run your offense. And the Knicks haven't had it anywhere near an all-star in that category. It's really prog- to help out the team in that sense. And that's why they've, I think they failed to, to be good. And you could say the same about the
0: jets. So yeah, the most important position in sports. And if you can't figure it out, right. There's just no chance for you. They have to hire, hire a new coach they have to find a new quarterback and there's just a lot of work to do with this roster. I thought they were in a good position. I honestly did with the with the draft picks they have. Arnold's a good player. I, I I and he's a good quarterback, he just has zero help sometimes. That offensive line's
1: brutal. The receivers are getting somewhere. Crowder's good, but I don't know how long, much longer it'll be because Mims was a good pick as well, but there's just so many more holes you have to fill. So I think they're beyond all right, maybe we can compete next year. No, you you have to Not two years, two years, I would say. it it, it depends who you draft who you sign and and how they progress right
0: yeah it's it's a a tough situation and as a Jets fan it's just so miserable today yeah uh let's talk about a team that I think their fans are also pretty miserable uh, this weekend and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers The Steelers were I mean they were the best team in the league for the first 11 or 12 weeks they were 11 and 0 and it was going great for them And then all of a sudden, we started to see these videos of Juju Smith-Schuster, who is, by the way, a great receiver and a massive TikTok influencer. I'm not a TikTok person, so I don't really know. Neither
1: am I. You know that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But I have seen some of the videos. He's a great dancer. He's very entertaining. And a lot of people like to watch him. So I'll I'll, I'll give him credit for that. But once he started dancing on these opposing teams' logos, they started to lose. Now, I don't think there's any correlation, but Mike Tomlin did speak to Juju this week, and he is going to stop dancing on logos pregame. What did you make of this whole thing? Because I, I really don't think there's a correlation.
1: I, I think the situation came when Von Bell lit him up after – I think that's when Juju knew, like, all right, maybe there's a target on my back. But at the end of the day, the Steelers' struggles aren't just Juju dancing. You can't use that as the as a scapegoat, as you mentioned. So I, I'm sure you agree with me. If you look at the game against the Ravens when they were 10-0 and they barely beat an RG3 McSorley offense and – I think the problem here is with Ben Roethlisberger. He, is, he has nothing. He is really, really washed right now. He yeah. can't throw the ball down the field. They can't establish the running game it's against good defenses. Ben Roethlisberger won't throw the, ball, throw the ball more than five yards down the field. I think, when you can't even beat the Bengals or, or any, a team that's in the middle of the pack, how can you expect to win a playoff game? You were, this was a team that's supposed to be a lock for the division. Now I would argue that the Browns are going to take it.
0: Yeah, it's possible. They're only a game back, right? Just a game.
1: Yeah, and they play the Jets this week, the Browns. The Steelers play the Colts, the top defense. Right. So, and then week 17, you put, the Steelers play the Browns, and I, there's no nothing that's telling me the Browns will win that game with the way they're playing, the way the Steelers are playing.
0: No, you mean that the Steelers will win?
1: No, yeah, I think the Browns will definitely win. Right, right,
0: right. No, no of course. Um, yeah, and they were 11-0 and have lost three straight, and it's just been a whole disaster. I, they,
1: I don't think they're going to win the rest of the season. And it's
0: you know what's funny? Easy. You know what's funny to me, too? It seems like at every turn the Steelers this year have found a reason for why they've lost. It's been the Juju videos since maybe a week or two ago. And I think in the first game they lost, we were all talking about how they got uh, screwed by COVID twice. Remember how they had to miss their bye week early in the season and then it happened yeah. again to them and they had to play that Wednesday game and people were blaming it on short rest and all that. I just don't buy it. We're in a, we're in a pandemic. You're going you're gonna to have messed up schedules for some teams and you just happen to be the culprit in that situation. And now with Juju – he just happens to be a good dancer who likes to you know, impress his followers on TikTok. Let's just talk about what the holes are on this team. They have nobody at linebacker now after losing Devin Bush.
1: And Dupree. Yeah. And
0: Dupree. Uh, in, in the wide receiver category, everyone's dropping balls left and right. I mean, Deontay Johnson's become a disaster oh in the last few weeks. Yeah. And they can't run the football. James Conner, who I actually like, has just looked awful this entire season. Yeah. And they have nobody to back him up.
1: And he's been out for a few weeks. And I remember Benny Snell tore up the Giants in week one. But that's week one. I think everybody was adjusting. Nobody played preseason. Nobody knew what they were doing quite yet. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, this, I, again, and even if, even so, even when they can't establish the run game, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't throw the ball down the field. He doesn't have an arm right now. He's, he can't move out of the pocket. Like, obviously, he's not mobile, but he's just standing there. He's not even moving his feet. I think they're just so not on the same page right now, and teams are fully taking advantage of that and just draining their confidence play by play. And they might be too far gone, I think, to make a resurgence, especially with the teams they play at the end of the season. The Bengals game was their chance. I was telling my dad this earlier. The Bengals game was their chance to find that rhythm again and learn how to win football games again, and they just completely blew that
0: opportunity. Yeah, and even if they did beat the Bengals, remember – if we think Boethlisberger is a little banged up and I, I think there's certainly something wrong there. The reason that he's not moving around and not throwing the ball down the field. If you can wrap up the division either last week or even this week, all of a sudden you've got a chance to rest Ben for a game or I two prior to that the now. playoffs. You
1: should do that now because you're going to make the playoffs or I think they already did. Yeah, and, clinched, Yeah, And there's, and Ben Rutherford doesn't have anything and he's not going to help them win games right now. So maybe you start Mason Rudolph, these next two games—I don't know. It's really tough. I don't know they want to win the division. If they won the
0: Bengals game, they would have. That's the crazy part. But right, I mean, so they, it would have just been done, and they could have just ended it right there.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, Roethlisberger
0: rest for a week or two, come back for the postseason because they're not getting the one seed. Obviously, even if they had, no, even if they had it's, beat it's, the Bengals, regardless, of the Chiefs. Kansas City's too
1: good. No one's beating the Chiefs in that conference anyway. So that's right. the—that's that's the crazy part. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and even when they were winning games too with Pittsburgh, they were beating the, the Cowboys with a fourth-string quarterback by like three or six. Oh God, you know, the it was the Cowboys should have, have won there. that
1: game. There were a lot of questionable penalties against Dallas in that game. As much as I wanted Dallas to lose, I think Dallas should have easily won that game because the penalties were very controversial.
0: Yeah, they've played in, I think it's like six or seven one-possession games that they've won. Yeah. So, it, you know, that's, that's luck. You're the, not going to do that The, the
1: Giants lost by like nine points in week one to them, and the Giants were a fresh team. That, like, that surprised me. I
0: thought they were going to get blown out. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to, let's move on to football. All right, sorry, move on to basketball. We just did football. Um, takeaways from opening week, old scene. I thought, to me, the biggest thing so far that I've noticed in the NBA, and I know everyone's only played one game. We'll have the Christmas games coming up later today. They haven't tipped off yet. But what Brooklyn did to Golden State on, what was that, Tuesday night was unbelievable. I mean, when Kevin Durant came out there and scored, I think it was 10, 10 or 12 points in the first five or six minutes, he looked like the Kevin Durant yeah. of Golden State. He looked like the Kevin Durant of Oklahoma City. There was no drop-off. I mean, literally no drop-off. And Kyrie Irving looked awesome. And Karis LeVert was terrific. This team is even better than I thought. And I thought they were going to make the finals. They're better than I thought they were going to be.
1: I will give them all the credit in the world. And I, I know I'm a Nets hater. But in my picks today, I do have the Celtics winning this game. I think, they're, I think they are going to win the division in the end. However, the Nets didn't impress me in, in game one. I think Curry looked terrible on one hand. Golden State. He did not have his he wasn't on his game. He was two for ten from behind the arc because it's not Curry. Is the are the Warriors maybe just not as good as we thought, or are the Nets better than we thought?
0: I think it's both. I, I actually thought that the Warriors were gonna be down this year. I had them I think in my preseason picks, I think I had them 10th in the conference.
1: Really? Well,
0: yeah, I, I did and, and here's the reason. Here's the reason. They just don't have enough shooting. And and it's strange saying that, talking about the Warriors. The only guy on that entire roster that I would argue to you is a top shooter is Steph Curry. Kelly Oubre can't shoot. Andrew Wiggins can't shoot. When Draymond Green comes back, he can't shoot. Uh, Their best bench player is probably Kent Bazemore. He can't shoot. Brad Wanamaker, who they signed as a backup point guard, he really can't
1: shoot. Yeah, he's he's not a good backup point guard.
0: Yeah, so they just don't have enough spacing on the floor. And for a team that was the best shooting team in basketball for a half decade, they are – going to be arguably one of the worst I mean outside of Steph there's almost nothing there mm-hmm. and I don't think Steph can carry a team to the postseason he was great fitting into his role doing it when they had other stars but when he's the only guy and everyone's locked in keying in on him I'm not sure he can take you to the playoffs there's just not enough help here even when Draymond's back
1: yeah I definitely hear what you're saying and with the whole Kelly Oubre signing I thought they were going to do well and i really high I had James Wiseman as my rookie of the year in my preseason picks but they weren't even. I don't think he was. He wasn't doing anything in in the, in the Brooklyn game. I, I know it was his first game, but he wasn't getting. He wasn't dominant on the glass. He wasn't scoring a lot. So I, I could be just the first game as a, this new with this new Warriors team. They're just trying to work things out, or they're just not as good as we're used to them being. And Brooklyn just establishing themselves as one of the top teams in this league. Yeah, I, I think
0: they're going to go to the finals. I, I love what they I love the East. Bucks.
1: I think the Bucks are ripping the Bucks. You do
0: okay. I just think the Bucks have a little. They're a little um, – I would say, first of all, their depth is, is lacking this year. They Vincenzo, don't sleep on DiVincenzo. No, I like him. I think he's going to be in their starting five permanently. But when I look at what they did in terms of their bench moves, DJ Augustine, eh. Bobby Portis, eh. Brim Portis, Forbes, okay. eh, he's all right.
1: A Portis up in Knicks, who's a very underrated – Bench player last year, uh, he could shoot the ball and he could play some solid defense. And he was he's just a good—he was a stretch player who could play all around. He can—he can play out anywhere on the offensive core.
0: So, what do you—what do you love about the Bucks? Because I feel like after two years of watching them screw up in the playoffs, I'm kind of—you know what?
1: I, I, Drew Holiday. I think it's a big upgrade from Bledsoe. Bledsoe was—I just think he's not as good as he used to be. And Holiday shares the ball very well. He's very—he's a good distributor for guys like Giannis and Middleton. I think Bledsoe is more of a I'm going to score the ball as much as I like, can point guard. While
0: well, holidays can I all right, I'm going to make my stars better. Okay, you know I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, I'll buy that. I mean, he was a great defender. I think that was his, arguably his biggest attribute when he was in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think if if when if they, when the playoffs start, potentially fans are back. You know, with all with all the vaccines, and I think players will have access to it by the playoffs. I I think if the Bucks have the fans against the Heat, they win that series. If they play in the Milwaukee, I yeah, think they win. I'll buy that.
0: I would also say, too, that I'm going to have them I, – I, in my preseason picks, I had the Bucks as the one in the East but losing uh, in, in the conference finals to Brooklyn because I'm just a little – I'm a little down on them. And the other team no, I'm down no, on the absolutely. East There's is no Boston. Yeah. Wow. I'm down on Boston. You know why? They only have, in my opinion, right now at this very moment, three above-average NBA players. That's it. The entire team is three above-average NBA players. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Tatum. Ever, what, what else do they have? Not Kemba Walker? Well, he's, he's out now. I mean, he's going to be out for at least a while with, that, with the name. Or he got, he, with the, with yeah,
1: the, February, right? As.
0: Yeah. Until then, I don't know how they're going to win these many games. They have nothing on the bench. Tristan Thompson's is whatever signing. Daniel Tice is decent I, at best. Jeff Teague looks washed up for the last two or three years. I'm not sure what they have on that roster that, that's winning games outside of three guys. I just don't.
1: I understand what you're saying, but I just think that Tatum and Brown tandem can be elite. And I, and I hate Boston. Like, I'm a Knicks fan. I, I hate Boston. But I, I think Tatum and Brown are going to be one of the next dynamic duos in this league for a long time. And I think they're going to be a big threat to anybody who they play. The bench, the bench will be the bench. I think Brad Stevens is a good coach. He'll make it work. Mark, Mark, I would even give Marcus Smart being an above-average player. I think that's a stretch, too. I'm, uh, uh, I, Kem- I like
0: i like marcus
1: Martin. when Kemba walker comes back i re- and he will come back and if he's healthy i think this team is a chance that, i think they're going to beat brooklyn eventually in the, in the playoffs hmm.
0: wow really what where do you have brooklyn finishing
1: i have brooklyn finishing three four five uh, All right. I, I, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't make a, an, a one through eight playoff. I, I, or I did. I just didn't write it. I just forgot about it. But I had them getting the top three or four or, or three, four, five. I had the Bucks winning. I had the Celtics getting number two, and I think I might have had the, the Heat at three. I'm not sure. Okay.
0: Okay. What do you think about Harden going to the Celtics? Uh, we'll, we'll get more into Harden, but that's one place where I think. And we apparently he's added them to his trade list: Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and some young guys they have on their bench. James Harden to me would work what say you
1: Jay the thing with Harden is I lo- this is this is my favorite superstar all-star superstar in the league for a long time I, I love the way he plays I like a lot of people I, he's, so I'm I. losing so much respect for him with the way he's treated everyone he can't take he can't ex- he can't apologize for anything he's done and he's just not taking he's not doing the right thing he's, he's clearly put on some weight and I think he's maybe lost interest in, in Houston or the game of basketball. I don't know. I, I, don't, I'm, I personally am not sure if he's a fit anywhere just because of the way he's acting. Hmm. All right. I'll buy that. I, I, if he was to go somewhere, I, I do like Philadelphia for him. If,
0: you do? Okay. Yes. I, th- I think that's also a fit, but giving up Ben Simmons, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen.
1: But in, this is a league, I think, where you need to shoot the ball to, to be successful. And Ben Simmons is not going to be able to last that long if he can't shoot. That's sure. my, my stance. True. Sure. Uh, who's your champion my champion it's, it's the um it's wow it's the Milwaukee Bucks
0: oh really over the over the Lakers or Clippers? oh no, no
1: no 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 my bad my my Milwaukee Bucks and the Clippers I have the Clippers I have the Clippers winning this year
0: really okay
1: yeah because yeah, here uh, Nick Batum underrated signing okay and I I think Reggie Jackson has been injured for a couple of years he'll be a better backup point guard than he was I think Paul George is going to massively improve I like Zubats I like Serge Ibaka on that team the Lakers I think are going to put up a good fight if they if, I know you what you're, you're you like you love your, your Lakers if the Lakers win there will be no surprise out of me they're a very good team I assume the Clippers have a, just an extra fire and desire this year because they they embarrass themselves big time in the bubble and they need to prove it
0: yeah it's funny I've actually talked to a lot of people and most of them sort of took the opposite opinion of me even and I guess you too I thought the Clippers got worse but the Lakers didn't get dramatically better and I think there's a, a very minimal gap there still. Some people thought that it's just going to be a rout, that the Lakers are going to blow through everybody and it's going to be done. I don't, I don't feel that way at all. I think no. the Clippers could easily beat the Lakers, and I, would be, I wouldn't be shocked by that.
1: No. I, I, yeah, those two teams are, are both very, very, very talented. The Lakers, I, I, I have a good friend who's a Lakers fan, and he was talking about how Montrezl Harrell was great signing. I understand that. He's a good player. He he plays. He loves to play center, but he's 6'9". So there's a if, point.
0: If, if, if that, I don't even think that's 6'9. So, uh,
1: uh, with especially, he's not even starting on that team. Uh, I didn't like that Javel McGee left the Lakers at all. I think he was a very underrated piece on that squad. I thought Dwight Howard
0: losing him was huge.
1: Yeah. I, 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 as, uh, he's, a, he's a veteran at this stage, but I mean, he was a very important part of that bench. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder's a great player. Don't get me wrong. They're, I think the Lakers, the Lakers did add some good pieces, but they also lost some too. And LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be elite, obviously, as they are every year. But how 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 much is that going to be effective again right. against other teams?
0: All right, let's move on to college football. Um, now we had the Heisman candidates come out yesterday, and I was I'm going to be honest, a little surprised by who the finalists for uh, for the fi- four finalists were. I know you saw them. So you got Devontae Smith, the Alabama receiver. His quarterback, Mac Jones. Kyle Trask out of Florida, and then this one surprised me. I don't understand why Trevor Lawrence was on there. I, I just don't. I didn't think Trevor Lawrence deserved to be a Heisman finalist. I just didn't. It's a popularity contest. It's got to be. Yeah. That's the only explanation I have for it. I mean, who do you think is going to win this thing?
1: I think it could, it's, it's going to end up going to Kyle Trask because he was end, he ended up really carrying that Gators seemed to being better than they were. They almost beat Alabama. That was insane. But I think the, the, the rightful winner is Devontae Smith. He had an incredible season at receiver for Alabama. I mean, he was unguardable you couldn't double him i think he's the reason why mac jones is as good as he is don't want to smith's my clear cut i think he was he's the reason why he was the best player in alabama this year
0: Hmm. because i have mac jones i think wow
1: yeah because you
0: know what and this is sort of the same thing i feel about the mvp in the nfl i find it very hard to give it to a non-quarterback
1: yeah i hear that I, i understand that that point of view for sure yeah
0: it's just because that quarterback is really has an impact on every single little thing that happens with that team's offense whether it's play calling whether it's handoffs whether it's finding receivers I mean he he's involved in basically everything the wide receiver not isn't necessarily involved in every single little thing that happens so I would just have to give it to the quarterback Devontae Smith is the best receiver in America he is deserving of every receiver award that's given and absolutely the guy's amazing and he'll be a top 10 pick probably. But I would just slightly, slightly give it to Mac Jones over Kyle Trask. I think Jones, with the obviously the undefeated season, and they're probably going to win the championship, if not make it to the championship game and lose to maybe Clemson, I would say that he's slightly more deserving. Uh, But I actually think that Kyle Trask may have a better pro career, if I'm being honest. I think Trask has a better arm slightly and just looks like a better prospect to me just because he didn't play on the type of team that that Mac Jones had at Alabama. I mean, he had everything you could possibly want. Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. Trask didn't really have that. He had Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony. Not not much else.
1: It, this is a, it's crazy with college football because defenses are so much worse than offenses. Like no no one on defense really has a chance to to get in the spotlight as much as offensive players do. And I, I, again, you mentioned Alabama had all those pieces like Harris, Waddle, and Smith, and I think that's why Mac Jones was made to, to was shown as good as he is. If if you put Mac Jones on a team like Syracuse, that's awful. He's not going to win the Heisman, yeah, but no, I think if you put, but I think if you put Devonte Smith on a bad team like Syracuse, he'll still put up somewhere near the numbers he did.
0: Oh, so, I know because he wouldn't have the quarterback.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing. I think Mac Jones was made better because Devonte Smith made catches, even though the ball wasn't put in places where he wanted it to be. But I know that's not something you take into account for Heisman winner. I think the Heisman's eventually going to go to a quarterback I think it's going to go to Trask like I said earlier because of the, what he did to, for that Florida team with the, with the I know he had Pitts and Tony but the lack of weapons he had aside from them was there wasn't there wasn't a lot there for Trask and, and he and if they beat Alabama he probably would have carried them to a top four spot I, I think Devontae Smith is still the rightful winner just because of
0: what he did to Mac Jones okay who do you have winning the playoff then because I think it's Alabama by by a, a large margin I have Clemson really yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: I I think, mean, uh, or Alabama could win, but I, I think the way Trevor with, with the difference to me was tre- 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 Trevor Lawrence Clemson against Notre Dame and non Trevor Lawrence Clemson against Notre Dame. The the difference in those teams were it
0: was astounding. And so you think that, that they can really beat the Alabama defense? Because I know they got beat up by Kyle Trask and uh, they gave up a lot of points early in the season to to I think it was all Miss. But for the most part, they have been dominant. And and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Clemson was dominant this year, even when even when Trevor Lawrence was playing. I mean, remember You're right. you might have it's, seen the Syracuse game. Yeah, and they had won by 25 points, but they were fair. losing in the third quarter.
1: To be fair, Syracuse always plays Clemson tough. Always, it's an every year thing. They played him tough last year, and they beat him the year before that.
0: So I'm just I'm a little down on Clemson. I think they're going to beat Ohio State, and I don't think that's going to be close. And I think Alabama's going to beat Notre Dame, and I don't think that's Ohio State should have made it in the first place because they barely played any games. Oh, okay, I want, I, want, I was going to ask you this right afterwards. So you think they got it wrong?
1: they're a good team but the games in which they played they weren't it wasn't like they blew out were blowing out teams by 50 where they're like all right this is a clear-cut pick i understand you got a bad break with the, with the big 10 not playing right away but it's the showcase isn't there to be considered all right let's put it, let's put them in the in the, the semi like come on who so who was
0: who was your fourth team was it was it um was it texas a&m yeah absolutely okay hmm I I thought I got it right, personally. I did because I just thought –
1: I respect your opinion, absolutely. I I just – it's a weird season. COVID is a weird season. It makes everything floppy, and you you just do have to – the committee just did what they had to do, and at the end of the day, you have to live with it.
0: Yeah. All right, let's just do one last topic. Uh, This was something I definitely wanted to get your perspective on. Definitely was rough news yesterday when I found this out. Let's move to baseball. That Josh Bell trade was a a little shocking to me. Yeah. Josh Bell to the Nationals, a very good first baseman in Pittsburgh, down last year, but it was a short season, not going to blame you for that. He was great in 2019, was an all-star.
1: Talk about bad teams. The Pirates are going to probably not win 50 games this next season. They're really a bottom feeder. I know they got two two pitching prospects in the deal, but Josh Bell is someone, I think, who it gives the Nationals that that true power bat to replace bryce harper i know he's not as good as bryce harper defensively or even offensively but it's just a it's a good middle of the order bat for for washington to use i know they have soto now and they're gonna get strasburg back along with scherzer for the season i don't know sanchez is still there i think the nationals were they had a disappointing season obviously after winning the world series i know it was a 60 game weird season but i think josh bell will definitely make that lineup better
0: yeah it does and and I think part of the Nationals' problem the last couple of years was they didn't have a great first baseman. Ryan Zimmerman is on the tail end of his career. If he's and going Eric
1: Thames was good forward. last year. And Kendrick right. retired.
0: Right, yeah, Kendrick's gone and Eric Thames is, yeah. So th- they've been a little weak at that spot. And to add an extra bat is something that they've been valuing. Now, the one thing that I'm a little unsure about at this point is, does this take them out of, of Chris Bryant contention? I think it does. I've heard that they're not really interested in trading for him, but there have been rumors that have swirled and – you know, he's a Scott Boris guy, and maybe he wants to go and leave Chicago, get a bigger deal, possibly next offseason. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but I would assume that getting giving up two pitching prospects like this would take them out of the consideration for Chris Bryant. But I am not i don't know. I'm not really sure. Kara no. Keboom apparently wants to get traded also, or has talked about getting traded also. So we'll see no, with that. He,
1: here's my deal on Bryant. I've heard him in trade talks for years. It, he, it, it seems like every year he's probably up for a trade. I
0: don't believe it. I think he's gonna stay in Chicago. Do you think he'll sign an extension there? Because I don't think they can afford everybody. I think here's the, when he came up. He he's he's not as good as who he was supposed to be when he came up, right? He reminds you me know, of Bryce like Harper in that way a lot. A lot of hype, won an MVP early, and then hasn't lived up to it recently. Yeah, I,
1: I, who would they? Do you think signing guys like Baez and Contreras are more important than Chris Bryant?
0: Not Contreras, because I don't really value catchers to the same extent. Really?
1: I think catchers are very important, because you really can't find a lot of good ones.
0: Yeah, but I just feel like there's not much of a difference between Wilson Contreras and somebody who's a lot cheaper. I don't know. I like the James McCann sign for the Mets. Victor Carantini? Yeah, like, he's not a bad bad backup. Victor Carantini's a good backup, Yeah, Yeah. So, I would keep Baez. I think he is a transcendent shortstop. And defensively, Mm -hmm. he's he's unbelievable. Wizard, Um, Anthony Rizzo... He's the heart and soul of the team, so maybe you want to keep him around. I'm not sure if Bryant fits no. into their future plans. I'm not. And Kyle Schwarber's already gone. And Albert is already going to be gone.
1: Speaking of that, do you think Schwarber goes to a team like the Yankees who he could just come off the bench and hit bombs for?
0: Uh, not really. I, I feel like he's a long-term DH, and they already have Stan, so.
1: No. Yeah, you're right, you're right.
0: I don't know. It's a, a place, though, that would need a big middle-of-the-order bat – probably not for a lot of money and probably for a, a, maybe a year, just because I think he wants to hit for agency again, come off a big season and sign a big deal. I think that's the type of contract that Schwarber is going to be looking for. That's with me.
1: And then the last thing I want to ask you before you wrap it up is what's going on with Pittsburgh. They're really, they're not good at all. They're really, they're really bad team. No, they're bad.
0: And, and not only were they terrible last year, they were the worst team in baseball, but now they're out without their arguably their best bat. And they've got other guys that you could possibly trade and get something for this offseason. So Brian Reynolds, who had a really nice rookie season, I think it was two years ago. Yeah. I bet you you could get something for him. He hits for a high average. He gets on base. You could probably get something for him. So you're willing
1: to get rid of everyone on that team.
0: Totally tear the whole thing down. Joe Musgrove, he's a good pitcher. He's a veteran. See if you can get something for him. They've got to find a couple of young guys and just build with that. Jamison Tyone, I guess, is one of them. Um, and there's not really much else. I'm gonna be honest. I know they oh, and have the, Kebrian Hayes, who they I know. Had brought up last
1: year. Oh, Kebrian Hayes, they gotta keep.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's the only one. And they have O'Neill Cruz, on.
1: they have O'Neill Cruz, too, the shortstop. The, oh, the okay, shortstop. yeah, go. he's yeah. good. He's so, he's he's a good power-hitting infielder.
0: So I would say maybe those three guys, and I'm not sure who else you're really truly committed to building with. I don't know. Gregory yeah. Polanco's still there, right? I guess they could trade him away. Yeah, like. They
1: have no bullpen either. It's and they have Jacob Stallings you could trade away the catcher.
0: Oh right. Yeah he had a near all-star season last year. Yeah. Like he's, yeah he's, he's
1: 30 years old, but he's still good.
0: Yeah. So there's not much in Pittsburgh. Uh they're probably I mean I would peg them to be the worst team baseball. Yeah. I would too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're brutal. All right. So that's gonna do it with me and Jeremy. Uh, Goldstein, it was great to have you on. Thank you for being our second guest. Now, if you guys want to go check out more of Jeremy, make sure you go follow him at his other show that he does called Under Review. If you want to tell us a little bit more about that, go for it.
1: Yeah, I hosted with Ethan Birch, we, um, other, another one of our college friends. We do a lot of interviews on the show. We've had Gary Apple from SNY. We've had Rich Hollenberg from Tees for Tampa Bay Rays. We've had Ed Cohen from the New York Knicks. And we've done a serious XMNFL host. We do a lot of interviews over there. We do a lot of good, like just one-on-one debate, hot action stuff like over there. Go check it out. Instagram is, and the Twitter is at underscore, at under underscore review VIC. I know it's hard to say. I'll, I'll text it to Noah so we can put it in the description, but okay, yeah, it's a good good show.
0: Yeah. Make sure you check that out. And uh, thank you guys for listening. This is episode number 11 of Schwartz on sports. It was great to have Jeremy on. I will continue to get more guests I think one thing that's going to help grow the show is by bringing on other perspectives, not just mine, trying to get other people and, uh, do some cool debates. So we'll definitely do some more of these. Thank you Goldstein for coming on. Once again, enjoy everyone. The holidays are here. Make sure you enjoy the last few days of 2020. It's been rough, but let's try to make this last week or so as uh, enjoyable as possible. Enjoy Christmas, enjoy the new year. I'll be back with more content soon. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good day.